from American Salon Magazine and .com. This is American Salon Stories, a weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host today, as well as the CEO of Hairbrain.me. Today, I am so excited to bring you three very special guests recorded live at Luxury Brand Partners Ideologue Conference uh, held recently in New York. It was an outstanding event focused on the power of social media to change lives, careers, and businesses in the salon industry. So first up is this really great panel that we did. Um, I got to moderate on the topic of social media and the barbers. Um, we featured Julius Caesar and John Mosley, aka Popular Nobody, on Instagram, and um, it was it was an outstanding experience for me and for the crowd. So let's listen in. Hi, everybody. This is Gordon Miller. I am host of the American Salon Stories podcast, and I'm also the CEO of Hairbrained. And we are live at. <laughs> We're at LBP's Ideologue in New York City, and we've got a panel on the barber culture. And our guests today are Julius Caesar and John Mosley, known as Popular Mo Nobody. And um, we're so happy to be here. So I am a social media maniac. Um, and I, I like to introduce things with quotes. This is one of my favorites. It's from Wayne Dyer. He says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. To me, if you change the way you look at social media from that of a personal tool, the way we interact with our friends and family, to that of a professional tool, something that can drive your business, drive your career, um, it can be transformative in your life. I've done about 12 of these panels around the country over the last couple of years, and, and I choose the panelists with something you know, very clear in mind, and, and that is this quote. These guys are, are two people that I look at as, as, as individuals who really do look at social differently than most, and because they do, social has changed for them. Their careers and their lives have changed, and they'll tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. So again, we got the guys up here. I'm gonna let Julius do a little self-introduction right now. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, New York? My name is Julius Ariola, better known in the barber, hair, and social media world as Julius Caesar. I'm 28 years old, uh, a San Francisco transplant located in Los Angeles, California. I've been, I've been doing hair myself 15 years, 10 years professionally, uh, and for lack of a better word, it started off as a chore in my mama's kitchen just to help my family save money. What turned from a chore became a hobby, became a job, became a career, and now what I consider my lifestyle. Um, because of social media, uh, and in particular, definitely Instagram and, the, and in the industry of visuals, um, I could definitely say it's changed my life dramatically, career-wise, and also just, uh, Life wealth-wise, uh, I've been able to meet the most amazing people, seen some of the most craziest places all around the world because of not only barbering, but definitely because of social media as well. So I'm happy to be here and I hope you guys get to take away some cool things uh, and pick our brains in regards to barbering today. So I got my guy, uh, John Mosley right here. About to go ahead and break in here shortly. All right, there we go. John, up, Ready you're up. For me? How you guys doing? Y'all good? That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> I'm like Jules, you know, I'm excited to be here as well. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you for LBP for allowing us to come here and be a part of this platform. I started out my barbering career by accident. I was literally playing college football and got tired of getting hit by grown men for free. <laughs> <laughs> and my whole family is in the hair industry. So I told my mother that I wanted to, 
you know, become a barber just to buy me some time to figure out something else. And she was like, boy, this is the last thing I'm paying for. And, <laughs> and I'm thankful that this was the last thing that she told me she was going to pay for because I found my love and passion with it. I also wrote the barbering curriculum for Paul Mitchell. I'm also voted top 100 modern salon game changers of 2017. And, you know, tied with Julius, like social media has changed my life a lot. I get to travel the world doing the same thing, educating. I'm doing about 30 classes, um, about 30 classes a month for Hanzo Shears and, you know, just loving every moment of it. I travel back and forth to Denver, Colorado as the barber for the Colorado Rockies. And, uh, oh, I like it, whoever yelled back there. <laughs> um, and also you see on the screen, Kendrick Lamar, that's been my client for the past five years. So I'm very thankful and blessed yeah. to, be, to be able to do what I do. So. <clears throat> Thank you guys, thanks for being here. So um, I don't think there's a better proof point that social media is transforming this industry than the barber segment of the industry. Um, the Pulp Riot folks are here. I think that's another amazing proof point. Vivid Colors, Pulp Riot as a brand, I don't think would exist without, without social media. And as an old school guy, you know, I, when I was a kid, I went to the barbershop with my dad every week, the old school Italian barbers, and those things, they kind of went away for the most part over the course of 20, 30 years. And with social, we see a complete, absolute resurgence and just kind of a, a change in the entire culture. It's, it's, um, things are coming together. So I wanna start by asking the guys to just kind of comment on what their take is on the impact that social media has had on the barber culture generally. And Julius, you go first. I mean, yeah, again, 15 years ago when I started cutting hair, uh, it wasn't out of it being considered cool. It was out of a necessity and because I had to. And it wasn't like, I want to wake up in the morning and cut hair. It's, just, it's because I had to, but you look at where the industry now, and you see where social media has definitely uplifted it, especially like Instagram, right? Instagram, I, I like to consider myself a Instagram dinosaur per se, right? <laughs> I was one of those first ones on Instagram, like literally I'm looking on Instagram, there was just like a bunch of photographers on there and stuff. But I, I, I seen it at an early on stage of saying, this is a great way to like, kind of like showcase my work uh, po post on there and, and show people uh, my haircuts and things like that because I've had, I had a true passion for it. And to see now that like companies are willing to actually uh, give us a voice and share our stories and share our uh, actual art form, because I do see this as an art form, uh, is, it's, it's insane. Like I would have never guessed 15 years ago that I'd be able to be in front of hundreds of people and tell my story. And, talk to you guys as if, uh, as if it really mattered, because it does now, right? So Totally, yeah. totally. And John, you know, we were talking earlier, and it relates to this, kind of the, the East Coast, West Coast part of the conversation. Why don't you share a little bit about that and how Instagram <laughs> kind of brought things together? Yeah, early we were having a conversation. It started yesterday with me and Jules, and we were talking about how, for a long time, the East Coast would never look at West Coast barbers and give us credit. Mm. They were like, oh, you guys are you're not barbers. You can't cut hair. And what a coincidence that you have two of LA's hottest barbers York, right now on the panel. <laughs> and so through, through social media, it, it has given us both that platform to showcase our talent and showcase our world to let people know it's not about East or West Coast. It's about talent and it's about business and it's the art of the business. 
And that's what I tell anybody that Instagram is a business now. If you run your business correctly, you will become more than just an artist off of Instagram. And, you know, for me, the art of the business is business. And whatever part of the business is, I'm going to take full care of it. And, and that's just my model of how I think about it. And it definitely has given us a platform to see how much talent is in the world. And think about it. All of us in this room are here for what? Social media. And a lot of us know each other through social media. So by the time we come to events like this and meet each other, we feel like we know each other. It's already a personable situation if you talk to your people on social media. And, and that's what I love to do. I, I feel like that's part of my my thing on social media, being able to talk to everybody around the world. So when I get into their world, it's a comfortable feeling for me and for them. What we're also seeing, I think, is a kind of a convergence of cosmetology and barbering, which is something that really we haven't seen in the past. Um, the men's grooming thing, of course, has, has really blown up. Um, we, again, we see this kind of passing of information back and forth. And Julian, you talk first about that. Like, what do you see happening because of social that relates to that bridge between cosmetology and barbering? I mean, I've spoken to you about this prior and in other interviews about just how before it was a strong definitive line of here's the Cosmo world, here's the barber world. Barber world, you're going to get a certain type of service, a certain type of look, a certain type of outcome. Cosmo world, you're going to get a certain type of look, certain type of service, certain type of outcome. And then slowly within, I say, agree with me or not, about maybe about the past seven to five years or so, you started to do this. Hey, what's going on on that side? What's going on on that side? I want to learn how to do clipper fades. Hey, even barbers now are starting to want to do color. You know, want to do shorter length cuts, longer than just pixie cuts, right? And now you got this thing where it is a blurred line. And there is no, I just consider it just, I'm just doing hair now. It's just a big old hair industry and yes, by license, I'm a barber. Yes, by license, you might be a cosmetologist, but at the end of the day, you know, hair is hair and I'm, I'm gonna be one of those ones that's gonna see this as, I'm not a master of anything. I'm, I'm just gonna be a sponge of it all and I'm gonna try to absorb it all. And I think that's where the industry is. Everybody in here wouldn't be here today if they didn't wanna grow themselves. Can we agree? That's right, right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, if, uh, if it wasn't like that and it was just a strong definitive line, I'll definitely probably still be in San Francisco, <laughs> in a barbershop, doing six days a week, 12 hours a day, doing the same haircuts every day. And I could tell you straight up, that's definitely not, what, that's not, that's not what's happening today, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's also impacted probably the price point that barbers are charging. Oh, yeah, and, sure. Uh, I mean, John, do you wanna talk about that at all? Are you seeing any impact on, on the pricing around the country from the people you talk to? Yeah, I look, I look at pricing. Now it's like, you get guys that may charge still $15, and then you got guys that's charging $200, and you got, and so, like Jules said, it's basically that where the Cosmo world meets the barber world, now we're able to charge more. Yeah. But a lot of the times people don't understand it's the education of what we do. We learn the same stuff, but barbers tend to go more of the hipper lingo. So they forget about the $20,000 of education that they actually pay for and forget about bone structures and forget the verbiage that actually needs to be handled properly inside the barbershop. And so now, like Jules said, you see the guys coming in wanting color, but a lot of times barbers so, so long ago was like, oh, I don't do that. I don't want to touch that. That's the woman's world. But actually now it's our world too. And now you're starting to see more female barbers come into the barbering world. And I, I have my own brand and my own team, which is the popular nobody brand. And we just brought on three females 
to work under our brand because I feel like it's very important as a leader to show that I support that. Yeah. And, and talk for a minute about um, the impact of socials having on, on the clients themselves mm-hmm. in terms of what, you know, how are they acting? How are they reacting? Um, what are you seeing there? And Julius, you go first. Um, it's, it has impacted it tenfold for sure. I think we could all agree upon we all get the craziest, craziest reference photos, um, the infamous Cristiano Ronaldo's, Justin Bieber's, uh, David Beckham's, of course, all those, right? We get those photos coming into our shop all the time. Uh, I think what's extremely important for us and a message I like to always push out in my classes to those that are listening is that us, it's, us as professionals, it's our job to teach our clients the difference between a hairstyle and a haircut. I think that's the biggest difference because now you could go on Instagram and look for the dopest barber, dopest hairstyles. All you got to do is put hashtag New York City barber, hashtag New York City uh, colorist, whatever, New York City vivids, whatever it may be, and you could find somebody that could do it, right? But the thing is, what happened in that photo? Is it Photoshopped? Is it good lighting? Is it, you know, was there, you know, you look at a David Beckham and they say, I wanna have this David Beckham haircut. Okay, great. Well, first off, this is a hairstyle. There is this many products put into it, a blow dryer, this comb, uh, good lighting, makeup team, glam team, and to top it off, to be truly honest with you, that's David Beckham. I'm gonna make you you. Uh, <laughs> and it's, for me, it's important to let them know. I'll take that as a reference, but what's gonna be remarkable, like Seth was talking about yesterday, what's gonna make it that purple cow for them is essentially giving them that actual custom tailored, not only haircut but custom tailored service, really fit to their lifestyle and also really truly also their morning routine. How much time do they actually want to spend in the morning to fix their hair? Because I'm pretty sure that crazy hairstyle that you're showing me, one, do you have the right tools and do you have 20 to 30 minutes in your morning or do you only have five minutes in the morning to do your hair? Those things have to come into play when when you think about social media hair and social media hair references that our clients are showing us, so. Yeah, I can tap into that. It's so funny now that, you know, I use my social media platform to help other clients that's building their brand. When they sit in my chair, I tell anyone, I don't sell haircuts, because everybody's selling haircuts. I sell the emotion that comes with the haircut. And when you come sit in my chair, you're gonna be able to use my iPhone and my Instagram to you know, use for my platform to use on yours to help build your brand. I, get on there, get as many followers as you can, as quick as you can, because this haircut might not take long. So mm-hmm. use, my, use my platform to give yourself a commercial while you're sitting in this chair. And that just connection between the stylist and the client makes the client want to come back more. And it makes the client go brag about who your your barber, who your stylist is, because they're like, oh, my God, look what he does for me. He helps me. So that emotional connection to the client of being able to fall in love with their stylist, because now they feel like we are connected to them and also helping bring them to life as well by using our platform. And then also, too, the whole thing, like Drew said, uh, you know, bringing clients in and they, they're giving you photos that's photoshopped and heavily <laughs> edited. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, if it looked like Jesus did it, that's probably who did it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, for me, you know, like I said, I, I use that and think about it. Everybody probably in here salon is suited for a selfie station or ring lights. 
And so think about it. That is what our clients see. And now clients are getting mad. Some of my clients are like, bro, why are you not taking pictures of my haircut? Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't want me to on your Instagram? I'm like, no, it's just the same haircut I gave you last week. Like, give me something different to post and I'll post it. But that's how much influence we have on our clients where now they're looking at us to drive them to social media. And so one of my little quick trips, little quick tips that I do is I, I will take photos of my clients and then I tell them, don't take a selfie. Let me send you the photos I took. Yeah, so that true. all the same pictures are circulating around social media to help get that momentum off that one photo. And that's, again, a great proof point of, of, of how the consumer looks to social um, as value in the salon. It's become an amenity. It's become something that makes the salon different than the salon next door, you know, because everybody's looking for their next profile pic, right? So all these, and when does anybody feel better than when they walk out of your chair? It's like the, the best moment in terms of the individual client's potential self-esteem. So I think, you know, that's a really powerful message. I want to go back to culture really quick. Um, I was at BarberCon in New York this year, and I've been going to events like this, and big beauty shows for all of the, well, for close to 40 years. And um, I don't remember seeing ever 3,000 barbers in one place. It's crazy. And it feels like social, again, has enabled people to come together in a way that we haven't seen in the barber community. And I just want to get you guys' take on that. What, is, what does that feel like and what do you think it means? I mean, I moved, I moved to LA myself five years ago and it was essentially about the same time I seen John already at the big hair shows, at the ISSEs. Uh, and it was also the same time where you had events like the uh, barbering events, like um, the exotics group was throwing big, uh, considerably for our industry, uh, the big battles for our time. And those were half the size of this room per se. And that was big to us. And now to see it fast forward till now, 2017, where we could fill up, <laughs> we could fill up arenas for sure. Yeah. Uh, and we do have big, big events like BarberCon, like CT, Barber Expo and such things like that. Um, it's crazy. It definitely, being a male dominant uh, industry, you're going into a room with big chests, heavy egos. I call them peacocks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot of egos, but it's also a lot of, uh, a lot of curiosity, right? Um, like, uh, like Ursi said yesterday, uh, you gotta stay curious. So a lot of barbers are interested to see and meet the other barbers from not only around their city, but around the nation and around the world. And um, there is a strong competitiveness, but it's all, it's all still love, just as much as how we're in the room today. Um, I think uh, if it wasn't for social media, we probably wouldn't be able to connect the way we do now because I might know somebody on Instagram for two years and I go to the event for the first time and I meet them, it's already bro, what's up man? Oh, how, how's everything? I seen you did this, I seen you do that. Before it'll be like you walk into a room like this and it's like, all right, I'm just gonna go to my own corner. I don't know anybody in here right now. <laughs> so Let's talk a little bit about how you guys do what you do in terms of social and, and give some, some maybe pointers. Um, Start with the basics. Um, like, what equipment do you guys use? You both do beautiful stuff. Um, you both, interestingly, do a lot of black and white. But um, do you use phones? Do you use camera? What kind of phones do you use? Julius, you go first. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm just purely on my iPhone. Uh, right now, I only have, like, the 6S. But <laughs> I'm waiting for that, that beautiful 10 to come out. Um, I mean, Apple Apple's going to have my money forever. I, before, like, just side note, before I did hair, I was, I mean, 
while I was still doing hair, but my first real considered job was in the cell phone business. So I was there to like launch the first iPhone, uh, work, working for AT&T. And I had an iPhone since iPhone 1 up until now. And uh, having that itself, the camera is just so good now, right? I mean, I would love to have a, uh, like a DSLR and I plan to get one, uh, but everything's done on my phone. Uh, no, no crazy apps really used. I just use what's on Instagram. Uh, anybody that follows me uh, knows uh, for the lo most longest time I was heavily uh, all black and white and uh, only recently have I started putting more color, but Inkwell's my favorite filter if anybody wants to know. I like to use that. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm usually on just on Instagram uh, using their their uh, filters or whatever, and uh, I use my iPhone. But I would love to get something like a Sony A7 or something like that. So Sony, that's a shout out right now, right? Yeah. You. Yo, shout, yo, so Sony, what's up? Holla, <laughs> <laughs> Sony, holla at my boy. You hear yep. me? He, um, for me, I use my iPhone. I use my iPhone. Uh, photography is my my hobby. So I do have a Canon 6D and a couple lenses. And so when I and I shoot and edit all my own material. If I want to, if I'm inspired to do something, I'll take a tripod and pull it up in the shop and I'll shoot every angle myself and figure it out. Cause sometimes you just don't have the extra bodies to help you, but you still got to produce this content for social media. So I shoot clips all day long. And uh, same thing, I didn't know Jews use Inkwell, but I use Inkwell as well as a black and white. And I feel like with so much Photoshopping and so much microfibering and coloring going on, a classic photo is black and white and you could tell what happens in that photo. So I started a whole hashtag called Fade to Black, mm. where you see the gradient of what I'm doing in my work. And it's no, no filters gonna help me create this image. Cause we all know in this room, we hate to go to a restaurant that we see a picture of that burger and that thing look real good. And when you get there, <laughs> that burger that you thought you were getting. So that's how I feel about my clients. Like I don't wanna sell them the fake stuff. So I definitely wanna make sure I give them what's real. And so I started going black and white theme and also too, when you got a lot of colors going on in the background, it's easier when you just put it black and white. So all you see is one, one thing and that's what made me switch. So I use a Canon 6D sometime, but a lot of times it's just my iPhone. And that's you know, a great encouragement to everybody, you know, to know that you don't really need that professional equipment. Mm -hmm. um, you guys are, are great at practicing, um, great at looking for resources to learn. There's so many online resources. I think Creative Live, those of you who wanna learn a little bit more about photography and how to use it on social, Highly recommend you check out the website Creative Live. They have all kinds of free education on how to be a good photographer and how to, how to do it well um, in social. And so, um, all right, so best advice, if you're gonna pick something, one big idea or a couple big ideas on social, what you would recommend that somebody just keep in mind as they're thinking about how to be better at it. Julius, what would you say? The best advice I could give on social media and how to attack it essentially is don't fake the funk, simple, simple as that. There's no reason to fake the funk. You're only gonna shoot yourself in the foot. Um, whatever you see on my social is me 110% uh, with obviously um, <laughs> mindful discretion, of course. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is true, it's like don't fake the funk. Like, like, like John was saying, uh, when, you, when, when that burger comes out, you want it to match to what you see on the menu, right? It's the same for me. I do consider your Instagram your highlight reel, per se, and what you see on there is gonna be your greatest accomplishments, um, your nicest pieces of work, but at the end of the day, make sure that it matches up, because when it is time for them to come see you in, in the chair, and when it is time for you to actually put the handshake out, 
that it matches up to the person that they see on social media. So yeah, don't fake the funk. Yeah, and mine, mine is big. I, I tell everyone that I'm mentoring that people that come to me for social advice, I tell them straight out, post with purpose. You know, for a long time, people said that, that that's kind of like how my Instagram and brand became a brand was the popular nobody was because I was always private. I never really talked much. I just I feel like when I get on stage, it's, it's go time and it's time for me to do work. And nobody has to know about my clientele because I want to keep getting the checks that I get from these clients. Mm -hmm. And so I always kept it private. So now what I do is, you know, going back and forth with my team. My whole thing with Post With Purpose now, my Instagram, when you click on Instagram and you look at my photos, you're going to see haircutting, you're going to see Insta, you're going to see uh, classroom, like photos of me in classes, because at the end of the day, I'm an educator and I feel like I'm one of the best educators on the planet at mm. what I do. And I sell those classes through photos to let you know that I could pack a room with it. So mm. that's posting with purpose. And then on my Instagram story is where you see me riding in my Ubers, clowning around. That's where you see the fun stuff. And those are normally not black and white, but my photos and my haircuts and stuff like that, they're all gonna be black and white. My Instagram story is where you see the character come out and the, the, personal, the personality where you wanna see me just wilding out and having fun, that's what you're gonna get. So watch the stories if you wanna see that. But if you wanna see inspiration and haircuts and just life and you know uplifting stuff, then just look at my page. So two things, um, I do classes occasionally on social. I like to share a lot of stuff. I just wanna make sure I have this clear from my next PowerPoint presentation. Don't fake the funk. Yeah. Don't fake, don't fake funk. the funk. Don't fake the funk. Somebody make a note for me, please. Don't, don't fake, fake the, the funk. funk. I gotta practice saying that. Don't yeah. fake the funk. Don't yeah. fake the funk. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Instagram stories because I think they're just growing to be really, really important. Um, it's, it's a great way to connect at a much deeper level you know, with the audience. And I think, um, again, they're killing Snapchat at the moment. Yeah. Um, but from a salon perspective, Julius, and you're big on stories, and I know it really gives, everybody wants to find out some really interesting stuff about Julius, watch the stories. <laughs> uh, the, um, but from a salon perspective, what advice would you give a thinking about stories from behind the chair and how it might impact in a positive way the business? Well, I think Instagram stories is good to show a truly unfiltered uh, way of, your day-to-day, -day, honestly, like, for one, if, if, it, if it's your before and afters that you're showing, or you turn on Instagram Live, and now Instagram Live, you could have the option of saving the video, yep. per se, and I know a lot of people all around the world that cannot make it to my classes, or that cannot make it to my shop, at least they could feel like they're part of something, right? Because I think we're in the age of where, again, like, like you said, you're not, we're not selling haircuts, right? What, I, what I'm selling is uh, my story. And people just want to feel like they're part of that story. And that's what Instagram story is all about. Yeah. You can literally feel like you're with that person throughout their, their journey, per se, right? If anybody that follows me, you see, like, right when, I, like, right when I'm at the airport, you're going to see what type of sandals I might have on or what type of uh, flight, flight clothes I might have on. I'm always, like, tapping the plane, saying, let's go, bro. People are now Instagram storying me when they go on a plane, tapping on the plane, saying, at Julie Caesar, Let's Go Bird, or showing me where they're going around the world, where they're cutting hair, and um, it's all about just having that feeling of team, right? Having a feeling of team, and that's one way to actually uh, get to my personal without having to meet me in, in real life, so. And Seth Godin has, you know, a, a great quote, you know, about this, which is, you know, we don't, we're not selling stuff anymore. You know, we're not selling haircuts, and he talked a lot about it, but we are s selling the story, selling the experience that so fits in. 
Um, John, on, on stories from a salon point of view, any thoughts? Yeah, stories uh, from a salon point of view, show your salon. Show mm -hmm. it off. Be proud of where you work because a lot of us spend more time there than we do actually at our own home. So be proud of your staff. If you own it, it's our home. Like, yeah. show your awesome staff. Make them feel empowered. Right? A lot of times we don't do that enough. And I feel like when we're in our barbershop, I think our barbershop is probably one of the funnest barbershops to be in. So I might go live right then and there and just let people see. And we might even start a discussion just to go live on, to mm -hmm. get other people interactive on social media, to talk back and forth with us, laugh and joke, have fun. Um, due to me being an educator, I don't really show on my, on my Instagram live too much, me cutting hair, mm. because if you wanna come watch me cut hair, you're gonna come sit in this class and really learn. And mm. I feel like that's one part of it that I keep away from, but I always try to show when I'm in the shop to show that support to the rest of my team and let everybody know how proud I am to be a hairstylist and be able to share my everyday life and my everyday passion with the people around me. And so I, I love being able to do that with my team and they love it too, so. That's a great place for us to stop. Um, we're we out of time. We, I could do this all day. Same. Um, oh, yeah, me too, this is be fun. Because of social media, I know both these guys. I wouldn't know them otherwise. And I know it's changed their lives. It's changed mine. It could change all of yours. I know a lot of it has. I wanna thank Julius. I wanna thank John for being here. I do, I wanna thank LBP. Thank you all. Next up is Lupe Voss. Lupe is known around the world as a leading innovative educator, master colorist, and the founder of Hair Color Magic, which teaches creative color placement and the art of formulation for customized color. You're going to learn a lot more about that in this segment. Lupe is also founder and co-owner of the highly successful Julian August Salon in Redlands, California. So let's listen in. That was very sweet. That almost made me cry. We're gonna just have a cry fest today, aren't we? <laughs> I was asked to share with um, you all how I incorporated social media into my already existing business. So welcome to Social Media Zen. First, what does Zen mean? Zen, a state of focus that incorporates a total togetherness of body and mind. The key point is Zen. Do you guys feel zen a lot? I mean, we've got people coming in the salon, we're double booked, she's late, she's got a coffee, didn't bring you one, <laughs> right, right? So we're, we're, we're busy, we're behind the chair, we've got a lot of things that are going on, and we don't really have a lot of zen. When I started um, my career, there was a consistent message that kept coming to me, and this message was really, really, really important. And it was to be the voice, not the echo. You guys have heard a lot of people speaking about you do you. What is it about you? And when we um, sat down and with the team and talked about uh, social currency, I thought, what exactly does that mean? Show of hands, who here knows what your social currency is? Like really, truly, deeply, be honest, because we're all being vulnerable right now, right? Exactly. So it wasn't just you. It's pr pretty much everybody. So I'm going to give you a little stories, tell you about the journey. I'll tell you what didn't work, because I learned by mistakes, don't we all? I mean, last, we're only as good as our last hair color, right? <laughs> um, so what didn't work, 
And then <laughs> I'll tell you what did work, how I measured it, how I figured out exactly what my currency is. Not was, but is. And I'll tell you, being invited to do this and putting this presentation together and talking with my friends and practicing with them and, and you know, I was going to say shooting this shit, but that would not be good. You know, going back and forth about what I wanted to present. I learned more about myself than anything. So, you know what? People can tell you, or yeah, I got it all together. They don't. All right. Okay, let me tell you what happened. So, we're talking about this presentation. And this message, be the voice, not the echo, happens to me a lot, team. And I know it's happened to you. So, I'm in yoga class. Do you guys do yoga? Yeah? I love yoga. We're in yoga class. I get there early. And there's this girl who does yoga. And she's amazing. Like, I look at her and I'm like, how do you do that? You know, so I'm like practicing and doing all this stuff. She's pretty amazing. So she's next to me and my girlfriend, Sheena says, okay, let's start. So she has a standing. She says, today we're going to focus on balance moves, but we're going to be moving in our balance moves. Okay. If you guys haven't ever done yoga, I'll describe it. So we're in crescent. We're like, so I can't put my arms up cause I might. So we're in crescent. She has this lean up on one leg and put our foot on our inner thigh. We're in tree pose. So we're in tree pose, and I'm like, I got my zen. I'm breathing, my core is tight, my face is like this, because it's tight. And she says, okay, we're gonna turn to our right with our arms open. Now we're still on one leg, right? And then she says, we're gonna come back, bring our arms straight. And I couldn't help it, you guys, I couldn't help it. I start looking at what she's doing, and I fell. I fell. I fell because I wanted to see what she was doing. I was in my zen. I was pretending I was in my zen. I was focusing on what she was doing. And I fell. And it's a message that happens to me all the time because there was nothing wrong with what I was doing. Are my legs little? Yes. Were hers long? Yes. But I was doing my thing. And I was doing it differently, but I was still doing my thing. Follow? which has me go into starting this business, Hair Color Magic. I was in, um, I know it's really hard to believe, I, I graduated from Cosmo in 1981. I was five years old, youngest licensed, <laughs> youngest licensed cosmetologist in the state of California. And I, I, I was horrible at hair color. You know when, and it still happens, I, I work behind the chair still, and it happens even now. You know how when you want to make turquoise hair and it never comes out? And then when you want to make blonde and you get turquoise hair? That's what was happening. And I thought, God, this is amazing. You should wear this for a while, right? No. So here I am. I'm horrible at hair color. I go to all this education, and I didn't make a lot of money when I first started. I did not make a lot of money. And I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you the truth. I was so bad at hair color, I didn't make any money. I thought, I, I, I ate Top Ramen for like a year. And I thought, maybe I should just turn around and make a, a, a cookbook, 101 Ways to Do Top Ramen, because I was doing that better than hair color. So I, I would go to this education, and I would stand there and listen to what the trainer was saying. I would take it back, and I would do it. And I was like, this doesn't work. And then I would go to another class, and I would take back what the trainer was saying and it wouldn't work. 
And I thought, there's sometimes, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced it, and I don't want to slam anyone, but this is just my perspective. I was going to these classes, and there was something that was always being held back. There was something that wasn't completely given out. Do you, have you guys ever experienced it? That's it's not, that's like, if you're going to be an educator, be an educator. Really, you give it all. And that is what I figured out what my social currency was, was sharing. That is my currency, was sharing. So I created, I, we, this is how Hair Color Magic came about. This is why Hair Color Magic came about. Because I thought, I am one person, and, back, and this is back in the day, I don't even think we had TV then. Um, not really. Um, I thought, this is what I would love to do. I would love to help our industry and elevate our colorist, even if it's one colorist at a time, just one. Because that one colorist can turn around and tell someone else, like, what was that TV, and so on, and so on, and so on. So I thought, okay, I'll just do one person at a time, I'm just one person, and then we're gonna start elevating this industry, and I'm gonna give them everything that I have, even if they don't want it. Even if they don't, you're gonna like this class, damn it. So that's, what, that's why the company started. So what is Hair Color Magic? It is an education company. It teaches a methodology of how to predictably formulate hair color. You'll have a predictable result. And it is something as similar as going to your fundamentals. Team, everybody wants advanced classes. There's a, there's a gentleman named Ricardo Denise. He's a hair cutter. He was from Sassoon, and he now does work for Aveda. And he and I were sitting down. We were at a bar. And <laughs> it's always at a bar when you have really good discussions, isn't it? So we're having a really good discussion. And he's, he was, we were talking, and the conversation went into most people want advanced classes. But without fully mastering your fundamentals, you can't understand the advanced. There's no way of dissecting the advanced. There's no way of of copying it or reproducing what that advanced haircut would be because there's always going to be that fundamental piece missing. And the same with color, the same with hairstyling, upstyles. It's the same thing. There's a fundamental piece that we have to understand. So those are your advanced classes. Figured that out. So I thought, okay, we've got hair color magic. We've got 12 classes. I have 13 trainers, U.S. and Canada, soon to be in the U.K. I'm really excited about that. That's focused on 2018. Really happy about that. Thank you. Now I have to do it, right? Okay, so um, we have fundamental classes, and it goes all the way up to advanced. We have focus classes where how light shows you color. That's, that's the fundamental class. That's it, is how light shows you color. And then we focus on rock your reds, bombshell blondes, grasping the gray, True to tone, we have, we have all the classes that you can possibly want to understand how to do color. It's fun, it's, they're fun classes. I'm a lot of fun. So we have all these classes, we have the trainers. It is Aveda specific, however, I created a, a, a product that you could unplug a color line and plug in your color line. Color's color, color's color. If you understand the fundamentals, you can make any color work, good? Yes. So, yes. So, here we have this education company, and I will tell you, it's been a lot of fun. I wanted to, to train to help elevate our industry if it was one colorist at a time. That was my fundamental reason why we did this. So I knew why. Good? 
You gotta know why. Second, we have this education company. Social media comes up. I was like, what the what? What the what? So I had MySpace. Do you guys remember MySpace? Is MySpace it's still here? Yes. Yes. And then, and then Facebook came. Yeah, nobody. Oh, okay. Well, Facebook came, and it's not the Facebook that you all know now. It was the Facebook that was kind of like MySpace, but you get to invite friends. And I was like, okay, so the team, my young team, taught me how to do this. And I thought, okay, I'm a business. What do I need social media for? Okay, most of us want it to promote our business. Yes? To promote yourself. Yeah? I thought, I want this as a tool, but why do I want it as a tool? I looked around what everybody was. I was at Yoga Room, right? I was at Yoga Room, and I was doing what everyone else was doing. What I needed social media to do for me is I wanted it to be the classroom after the class. You good? I wanted to have the classroom after the class. I wanted to use social media to promote the learner. I wanted to be, have you guys ever been to a class? You go to the class, you learn the information, you take it home, and you have a question. You're like, why didn't that work? You know, who can I talk to? Can you call the trainer back up? Mm -mm. Oh, so I wanted to be the classroom after the classroom. I wanted to have engagement. I wanted to have the people who were in the classrooms be able to contact me and say, what was it that you said about 10 volume? What? You know, so that way that they could come back and still get the information and that they had a safe, a safe place to go to and that they would get an answer. So this was my commitment to each one of these people that would email. Philip, I mean, how many, he and I had plenty of conversations online about it. So that was my free. That was my free 99. Remember yesterday, Seth talked about what is it that is the free? That was my free 99, was to spend the time with these people to make sure that they were getting elevated one person at a time. So this is what I did. This is what did not work. I started doing what everybody else was doing. I posted the picture. I got some likes. I got a lot of family. <laughs> I am Catholic Mexican. <laughs> I am a Catholic. I have 10 sisters. I got all my relatives on Facebook. I got my family members. Everybody, like, everybody was liking it. Not my, not my um, audience. So then I figured out fast. Engage. I wanted them to interact with me. So I would post the picture instead of saying, oh, look at what I did today at the salon. This is the color. This is the formula. This is the technique. This is the product that I'm featuring. Then what happened, people started messaging back. I noticed that my, my interactions were different. It was, I was getting engagement. So I was getting a classroom after the class. And then, ta-da, harebrain came. Facebook was great. I still got customers on there. I don't want them to know about my formulas because they try and formulate for me. Don't I need a little bit of gold in that? I think you should put two grams. No. No, 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 shh, shh, <laughs> shh, you're like, shh, <laughs> you have to do it slow if they keep talking, shh, harebrained came, this was my audience, if you are not on harebrained, get on harebrained, people, these are your audience, like seriously, I, Gerard and Kelly Scarpese and Randy Taylor created this platform of our audience. It's us sharing with each other. How beautiful is that? 
Hairbrain. So Hairbrain, Gerard and Kelly came over for dinner. I made, him, I made him some tacos. We had some beer margaritas. It was amazing. And Gerard set me up and created the Hair Color Magic group. And it was amazing. I started having interaction. I started having people from other color companies asking questions. And you know what was the most amazing thing? Everybody on the group started answering each other. I don't have kids, I forgot. <laughs> but I think that's how a proud parent would feel, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It was amazing. It was like these people, you guys were talking to each other. And I look at I got I got I got goosebumps. Oh, I got goosebumps. It was this, it was like you guys are helping each other. You were a team. You know, we were supposed to elevate each other. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. I think that would be a parent feeling that way. Okay, so harebrained. I love, I, I love, I do two blogs a month. I give everything that I possibly can. This is how I measure. I measure quite differently. I don't look at my followers. I couldn't even tell you what my followers are. I don't have like 100,000 followers because that's not my, so that's not my currency. My currency is sharing. You guys are my currency. Elevating is currency. The numbers I look at are engagements and comments. Engagements and comments. I don't look to see what my numbers are. I don't focus on who my followers are. I focus on who wants to learn. So I understood my social currency is sharing. I got that. So that's what I do. So that's what I do. So I make sure that I market to that. I believe sharing is key. I do believe that the more you give out, you open up your mind so that the universe puts something back in. I truly believe that. Don't, yes, it is true. Educators, I, I do believe that. I think if you hold on to it, it, it clutters your mind and you start feeling insecure because someone else is doing this and someone else is doing that. Don't look at what, what, what they're doing. Look at what you're doing. You be the voice of who you are and what you're doing. And, and share, give it out so that you have that space that's empty to, for more to come in. I don't want you guys to read that question. I want you to look at me. Look at me real quick. Look at me. Look at me. I had this thing happen. I thought, how can I teach? How can I share with you what I found out about me doing this presentation? I thought, oh, I'm going to give them this philosophical, deep stuff, you know, and it'll be like really, really good. One of my team members came to me last week. We were, we're creating some curriculum. I'm teaching him how to create curriculum. He wants to grow as an individual, as a teacher. He, we're in the car, and he said, I had the weirdest thing that happened to me to, to coming to the airport. He said, the Uber driver said, I have three questions. Can I ask you? And he said, sure. He said, what are you good at? What makes you happy? How do you make your money? He asked me that. He said, what are you good at? I'm good at sharing. What makes you happy? Sharing. How do you make your money? Sharing. I know what my currency is. I know what my currency is. So you guys ask yourselves those questions now. What are you good at? What makes you happy? And how do you make your money? Figure out what that is. Do it with your voice. Don't look at what someone else is gonna do because you're always gonna start questioning if you're doing it right. You do you, boo. You know, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do you. 
because that you, we, there's an already me, there's an already you, but there's not an already you. You know, you guys do what you guys do and then it'll always work out. I promise you it'll always work out. <sighs> so what my job is, is to share ideas. What I wish for you is amazing social media zen. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow American Salon on Instagram, where we're known as American underscore Salon, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to the Daily Beauty Fix e-newsletter. This is American Salon guest contributor and Hairbrain CEO, Gordon Miller, and I can't wait to bring you another American Salon Stories podcast next week. Music